Welcome to the Spin Tune Sports Show. I'm one of your hosts, Al Bielsi. With me is my co-host, Shafe. We're here to shoot the shit and talk some sports, but first, I have to tell you that we are not brought to you by Halliburton Company. Halliburton, we might be willfully negligent and cause one of the worst oil, hills in, oil spills in history. How many, how many do you think you have of those, Al? How many do you have of fake companies or fake sponsors before, before you run out? Uh, oh, I'm never going to run out. Okay, I, that's a challenge to you, to you. I think uh, going through and finding either companies that no longer exist or made-up companies is going to take actually after... You know, a good amount of episodes, some kind of creativity. There's gonna. Oh, I'm not saying that I won't. That won't take me some time to find some occasionally. But we're gonna get fictional companies from like TV and movies. We're gonna get okay. real life right, companies. So you got you got a long list. So I, I'm not gonna worry about this. It. Is right. never ever gonna end. Got it. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, before we get fully started here, um, just want to let you guys know that we, uh, in the first week plus now since we're up and running with the show. We've been uh, ramping up our production of stuff on Spintune.com, S-P-I-N-C-H-O-O-N.com, for some of our writing stuff. Um, if you go to our page, you'll see the most recent things that we've done are full seven-round mock drafts for both the Jets and the Giants. We have an in-depth examination of what a Dream Rangers offseason would look like, and we have, brand new on the site, a Jets-Giants trade proposition for this year's draft. Going back further in time, you'll see our episodes for this show you'll see episodes of flicks and a six the other podcast under the spin tune podcast network and you'll see other things that were written that are kind of fun about movies video games beer all sorts of entertainment things that interest us at the spin tune um so check out the spin tune twitter account because we're going to be ramping that back up after it being kind of asleep for a while um and don't forget to check out the spin tune sports show twitter account um, Shafe, anything on that front? Yeah, uh, I think it's it's going well with that. It's the same, you know, five or six people we interact with uh, normally. Uh, I've noticed that a few more people have been on. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's growing slowly. Including the Mets? Yes, the Mets. That was, uh, I did not think they would respond to my tweet, and then when they did, I did not res- I did not think they would say uh, what dance they did. So I asked them who would be their uh, Earth ambassador to aliens if we ever met, and they said Brody. I was thinking they were gonna say Degrom. I didn't really have a follow up for that. But once they said Brody, I was like, "Oh, we we need to sign an alien." That was my first thought. So I thought that was uh, uh that was well received. I got more favorites and retweets than the actual Mets tweets. So I thought that was a uh, a good good initial reach out to them. So we're gonna get those things, both those accounts, um, pretty active with all sorts of sports and entertainment things. So um, come check it out. Come tweet at us. Come follow along with us. Have some fun because that's what we're here for, after all. Yes. Um, so let us get started for real. We're going to go and do something very unexpected for both of us. We're going to talk some Masters. Masters golf. Both of us big golf guys. Uh, neither of us is big golf guys. Uh, I haven't played go- a round of golf probably since I was in eighth grade. I haven't played a round of golf in ever. Yeah. And so I, I usually do check into the Masters. That's the one tournament I will kind of follow along i do i don't i wouldn't say i follow but i do at some point during the weekend especially on saturday and sunday sunday i try to check in if i'm not watching anything else if there's nothing big going on i had some time before the islanders game started where i was like oh you know what i got half an hour to sit down and watch like and they're just ripping through like rapid fire you know jumping between all the big guys it's the final day tiger's wearing red right even i can be drawn into something like that even though i don't love it that's the only golf content that I'll actually show up for. In college, my all my roommates were huge golf guys, so I always got into it just for the Masters, usually Saturday and Sunday. And we had friends in high school who yeah, were big golf yeah. guys, too. Uh, it's weird how many 
golf guys there are that you don't really realize it and then you see on Twitter like in a big tournament or a major and they're like it's just all Twitter is once something goes big on Twitter I'll probably check in and with it being Tiger I was like I'm for sure I, I turned the Islander game off it was 2-1 and I, went, <laughs> I went purely Masters no I mostly didn't watch it once the Islanders got started which means I didn't actually see most of the big stuff yeah. at the end with Molinari blowing up like I read about it on Twitter but yeah. like I was busy during the intermissions of the game and I had flipped to the Yankee game at that time because it was early on in the game there um, but yeah, I was mostly on the, the Islanders game. Um, only when I saw like the big implosion by Molnar, I flipped it over real quick to catch a couple of minutes. Yeah, golf is such a weird thing because like sports is so tribal. Like it's my team, my city versus your team. Golf, it's just like everybody likes Tiger Woods. I don't know anybody that doesn't. That's a golf guy that doesn't like Tiger Woods. So it's such a weird thing for me to to watch it as not a golf guy, and I'm actively rooting against him just because everybody else likes him. Mm. And it's just a weird thing to me that people are like, they're all golf fans, but they all root for the same guy. Well, if not fans, there's definitely a like a vested interest in him being successful. Well, I get Even the people who want to ultimately see him fail, yeah, they want him involved. And you can understand that, right? Like, yeah. you know, you it's want, even if you don't like the Yankees, right. seeing them involved at the end, like it, the stakes feel higher. Right. Seeing, seeing Tiger on the hunt means the stakes are higher. Golf, I enjoy it when Tiger's good. Like I, That gives me a rooting interest. But It's honestly, even after all this time, it's still the only time it matters, really. Right. For for us, as not For the golf, casual fan. Right. But I would say that most golf guys that are golf fans are rooting, I would say 90% of them are rooting for Tiger. It does seem like that, yeah. And then the guys that aren't Tiger people, or aren't golfs, are rooting against him. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. But, I mean, it's funny because... Like, yeah, like, I just won't care if he's not involved at right. all. And it, he shouldn't have such, like, a ridiculous hold on the sport. Yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting. And it's it's good for the sport that he's good, uh, that he's when he's good, mm-hmm. obviously. And then, um, I, as I was rooting against him yesterday, I was doing it kind of tongue-in-cheek. But um, it was nice to see. It was a good moment to see that, like, kind of a crazy arc of his career and how it, it went as low as it did, even without the injuries, just his personal life and how that's... Well, all of them coming down just, together, certainly. Yeah, I, yeah that, that kid is, like, way bigger than I would have guessed. I remember him <laughs> when it all happened, like, yeah. 2009. I was like, that is no, that's a real person. It's that's funny. an adult. <laughs> it's funny. My only golf-watching memory of my life before this was uh, Tiger vs. Rocco Mediate. Okay. When they had the playoff yeah. at the end of it, because I because th- the, the playoff happened on a Monday, it was the day after yeah. the last day, and uh, I went and watched with a couple of our friends from from high school who were big fans, and I was riveted, like watching the playoff unfold. Right. And I was like, oh, I was hoping. It was okay, this is why people watch golf. It's the only time I've ever had that sort of feeling while watching it and if it wasn't Tiger I wouldn't have and I wouldn't have cared I was likely. hoping for a playoff I was hoping for a collapse on 18 and then have him go to a playoff because that would have Twitter would have melted if oh that happened God. but good for him good for I know lots of people that were crying seeing Tiger win so uh, it's good to see him back as much as I was rooting against and kind of rooting for the some people like to see the world burn and I was definitely that <laughs> me yesterday uh, anything else on the Masters? Not really. I, I'm excited for next year's Masters already. Don't, I was saying, don't, don't feel compelled to, because we're not going to have a lot of golf talk on this show. I know show. there's a, another major at uh, Beth Page, Beth right? Page is this year, yeah. So I might look at that if, if it's... Uh, I know Tiger won there previously, so maybe mm-hmm. he's going to go. Yeah, people were mentioning... Was it Beth Page and Pebble Beach? Yeah. Or places he's, he's won, won in, that they're on the schedule yeah, this year. so I might, I might tune into that. We'll see. 
All right. Um, so moving on from golf, because we won't do that very often, but now is the time to do it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Islanders exceeding everyone's expectations, yeah. including my own. I'll yeah. be completely fair. Um, we discussed last week that both of us... I don't remember if either of us gave a formal prediction. I know on the on the show, or I know on the Twitter account you've... Isles and Four. Isles and Four. I, I think on the episode I said Isles and Six or Seven. Okay. Um, and I, I, I can't remember if, if we had done... Form, we probably did some yeah. sort of formal um, estimation. I thought the Islanders were going to win the series. You thought the Islanders yes. were going to win the series. Um, six or seven does sound right for yeah. our conversation. I think maybe I said five or six and you said six or I seven. I said whoever wins. Uh, the Islanders are going to win the home games. I thought the Penguins would probably win both at home or split one and one. I didn't think it would go Islanders first three. I thought it would go two, one, three, one. Yeah, I mean, even the most optimistic of fan, I don't think could expect them to have the potential to have swept right. the Penguins. We're not calling that shot. I, I, I'm calling it. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it's it. It's incredible that the Rangers fan is the one who's ready to call it. It's, the, the, thing, the one thing I will say in favor of that, I don't want to say it and jinx right. it. You know, I, as much as I admitted last week that you're the bigger superstition, I still believe in you don't do that sort of thing and jinx it. Um, it's yeah, not it's over, not it's so not over until it's over. Yeah, <laughs> you have no vested interest until you have no power right. in the jinxing. Right. Um, for me, the only thing I'll say in support of your theory is from game one to game three, every game has been even more in the Islanders' favor uh-huh. as each game yeah. has gone on. The- if that trend were to continue, it would certainly seem that they're set up to sweep this series. And at this point, the Penguins haven't shown anything to indicate that they have it in them to win, even in Pittsburgh. Nope. Because other than right when that goal was scored, the first goal by the Penguins, the crowd wasn't exactly intimidating. No. Not nearly the way that it was at the at the barn. So, no. uh, I thought Game One was the biggest lock. Islanders winning at home. The Penguins were coasting into the playoffs. Islanders were hungry. I knew the fan base was going to be crazy. I was like, that's the biggest lock of the century. And you think Island- they would feed off if they scored? The right. first minute got overturned, scored, scored again, again a minute right. later. And like... I was not surprised at all by that. The only thing that was surprising was the Penguins brought to overtime. I was surprised they were that even got to overtime. Well, what I will say, and it was what I was a little bit concerned about, was whether that adrenaline spike at the beginning would be something that Fizzle they could out. sustain. Yeah. And it's true. That's if you the nine periods plus overtime that have been played. Only one of them has been won by the Penguins, and it's second period of the first game. Yeah. The Penguins absolutely dominated that period. Yeah. Um, if they didn't dominate score-wise, they were able to tie it up, but yeah. um, they never took the lead. They've led for a total of, like, three minutes in the whole series. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the Islanders bounced back in the third period, did what they had to do, won in overtime. Again, having a goal overturned, yeah. or, well, not overturned, but it was they did a review for the, the yeah. Kunakl going into the goal, yeah. um, crashing with the goalie. But, yeah. um, no, uh, they've seemed to have the series... Uh, they, have, they have each game has been in hand. The Islanders have dictated the flow of yeah. every game, basically. Um, I know I've seen some con- some complaining from Penguins fans and people covering the Penguins about, oh, they've had so many opportunities that haven't gone in. And that's true. But the thing is, even for all the goals the Islanders have scored, they've also had a bunch of opportunities yeah, that were really close that didn't go that's in. That's a very lazy argument. So if you flip that coin, it's going to result in more goals for both teams because both teams have had some golden opportunities that they haven't capitalized on this this series is you can tell one team just wants it way way more than the the islanders want it so much more than the penguins well it seems like it now i i do think that during the course of the first game 
it was about even in, in the want-to category, right? Because, like I said, the, the Penguins did dominate the second period. Yeah. They looked more or less evenly matched, even though I would give a slight edge over the run of the game to the Islanders having been the better team. But since then, you're right. I don't even think it's that, a comparison. Yeah, the, the Islanders have punched them in the mouth, and they don't have... And that's the thing with hockey, as we've seen in other series. Is... Well, you're, we're seeing it go on right now with Columbus Ex- and Tampa. That was exactly I think point. Tampa took their foot off the gas after after going 3 nothing. And then they got punched in the mouth giving up the game. They've they've been scrambling since then. They don't have anything. Yeah, I think in, in the playoffs you'll get punched in the, in the mouth, and it's kind of how you respond. Blue Jackets got punched in the mouth. They responded. Now the, the, the Lightning got punched in the mouth, and they're just folding. And I think that's the same thing with Penguins. Penguins got punched, and they, they just cowered away. It's like you said on Twitter the other day. They This is the first time they're facing adversity this season, and they're facing all of it at once. It's an avalanche. Yeah. It's like karma has been waiting. Yep. To download this whole time, and it all just came streaming in and locked them up, them out completely because they they just don't have any answers. Kucherov getting suspended kills yeah. them. Like. Edmonds hurt. Edmonds out game four too. He's, yeah, he got hurt game three. He's out game three. He's out game four. And Stemkos has been invisible. Yeah, uh, I I'd be shocked. Penguins definitely aren't coming back. They might win a game. I don't. If it goes, it back, wouldn't be terribly surprising to see them win a game in Pittsburgh and end up losing it in five. Yeah, that I think that's likely. But the way things have been trending, it's hard to see it like it like you shouldn't be surprised winning a game on home ice but yeah they they haven't had any answers they're gonna and they've they've already been swapping guys in and out of the lineup both forwards and defensemen i mean do they do they go to the other goalie i mean no. murray's not been terrible no murray's been i don't think murray's been good at all he's let up no, so soft goals there's been a couple but i mean like like the the Everly goal, that was a tough ass goal. It yeah. was almost like impossible angle. There's the, been a couple the, um, ones that that were really tough, the but Kamarov there's been a couple goal, softies. The Komarov goal was he. I saw the the replay in slow mo, and he just looked. He had no confidence going over. Well, there, uh, but it was a redirection by a Penguin player right in front of the goal. Uh, maybe is it there was a oh, there was a cross ice pass, but yeah, a, which a Penguin is a guy got his, goal, which is dangerous. Sure, shot. but a Penguin guy got a stick on it and redirected it, and Komarov was able to collect himself and fire it right off. Yeah, because it, it, I saw the replay of it, and his pad level was way off. His hands were in tight, and it just went right over his shoulder. But the one thing I've noticed um, is, like, Butch Goring has said it on the broadcast, because no, that wasn't the case on Sunday, but the first two games, the home games, right. they've had the local broadcast. Right. Butch has been saying since game one, Matt Murray's amongst the best goalies down on the ice. Yeah. You're not going to beat him low, because yeah. they were, uh, earlier on in the series... They were taking a lot of shots, trying to go five hole, trying to, and he was stopping everything. He right. goes, "You gotta elevate, and that's where you're gonna beat them." And that's what they've done. Everly went up over his shoulder. Komarov's goal also ended up. Um, they've had three or four goals in the last two games that were like bar down, like so. Yeah, Mur- Murray's very streaky. There was a when he had his run with the Stanley Cup, there was a lot of advanced analytics, and I'm not a big analytics guy. Um, well, this series isn't for you if you like analytics. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Once I saw that there was a 29% chance the Islanders were winning. That, that, that was when you changed it to Isles and 4. and 4 because there's no chance at 20, 29%. But there was people saying during even during the Stanley Cup run is Murray's just getting lucky. It's not his stat, his advanced Well, he stats. does have two cup runs. Right, but it was more so the team around him and they were li- limiting high danger shots, which is what the Islanders are doing. And that's the thing that I don't understand. I will never be able to pronounce the guy's name. The guy who does the analytics, oh, Dom, Dom Lu- yeah. Luschichin or yeah, whatever yeah. his name is for The Athletic, yeah. he wrote up his thing, and it's great because if you read the thing, he came out and said, listen, my, he said flat out, my model has been wrong on the Islanders yeah. all season. I just cannot get it yeah. to accurately predict them. Right. But everything you look at this thing, it, yeah, it was like it was like seventy-one to thirty-one percent or something like that, like it was or seventy-one to twenty-nine percent or whatever. Yeah. Um, Penguins over Islanders in this thing, but during the course of it, he laid out if the Islanders are going to win. The defense has been probably even better than we've anticipated. 
We'll see if Leonard can stick. My favorite thing to keep track of over the course of the, the playoffs so far is everyone saying Robin Leonard had a uh, 930 save percentage, not sustainable. And his save percentage has gone up each yeah. game of the, the playoffs. He's now up to a 950 save percentage that in the playoffs. Won't, 950 won't last. 930 definitely can. It can. Yeah. I mean, it did for a whole season. Yeah. And I understand and he only played half 40 half, yeah. or 5 games or whatever it was, but still. Uh, well, the thing with... So that's what I like. I don't like most advanced analytics. I look at them. I don't think it's, you know, end-all, be-all. The goalie ones do interest me because it, it more than just save percentage and goals allowed, it lim- it shows you high danger shots, low, mm-hmm. medium, low. That, that, those stats those are, are interesting to me. And, and they, I think, they do generally seem to be pretty accurate. I think Laner isn't sh- seeing a lot of high danger shots right now. Which is the whole point of it's the, the trust whole system. Point. And... Um, so I do think his save percentage is going to be high. I'll be interested to see against a different team because I don't think the Penguins match up well. I don't think they won are that hungry. They've their their window I think is closing. They're going down. Well, the other thing is this is clearly the least talented of this excellent run. Right. The the two teams that they won the cup on were a much more yeah. talented team overall. I would say yeah. I, I would again. I think it's going to be a four game. I, the Penguins are dead. There there's there's no way Sullivan can like go into the room and like. Get the boys going. Like they're just—they lost all their. They had no little momentum in game one. They lost it, and it's just gone down. Well, if, if you wrote a game plan for the Islanders before the series started, they've hit just about every beat. They've limited Crosby and, and Malkin's yeah. effectiveness. They haven't done a lot of scoring. Right. They gotten Malkin's head. They completely took him off his game in game two. Yeah. They beat Murray high. They've limited the high danger chances in front of Leonard. Yeah. They haven't been in the box too much outside of in game one and two. There was a couple times where they went into the, yeah, the box was, and the, the penalty weird. kill. But they've done a good job on the penalty kill. They've only given up one power play goal to yeah. the Penguins all series. Yeah, They've uh, even scored a couple times on the power play themselves, although they still haven't looked great. Yeah, they had a five, that five or six in that one game. I think they scored on one of them. Yeah, and they had like the five, five and three. On three. From, they've had a five and three twice during the series. They haven't scored on either yeah. one of them. But although they did score that, on the power play after the 5-3 became a normal 5-3. This is going to be a crazy hot take, but if I'm a coach and I can't get my team going, I'm taking a 5-3. on Because <laughs> if I if you kill it off, this, the momentum swings like that. That is a crazy it dangerous... It is a crazy take, but if I'm Mike Sullivan, I'm like... No, I'm just saying it's a crazy dangerous strategy. It is. 100% <laughs> crazy, but... It is so easy. It's the type of thing that momentum. in this game, like game, like we're on the brink of being swept. Like maybe if you're like you know, Boys. you can't hold anything back. You know, boys, we're flipping the puck over the edge of the boards, <laughs> and we're taking five on three. We're gonna kill it, and then the momentum's ours. Because it five on three. If you don't score on a five on three, the momentum shifts always the other way. It hasn't, it hasn't so far for the Islanders, but the, it, well, it, it, the the Penguins had a five on. They were they had three. The Islanders had a five on three. They killed it and it was at home and the crowd got back into it. They had to sustain a little bit of pressure after it. They didn't score, but you could see there was a little bit of momentum shift. Mm-hmm. The, if you're at home and you get a five on three and you kill it, the crowd always gets into it. Yeah. So now I'm down 3-0. I might be saying, boys, we need to take a little bit crazy pills here and just start roofing them into the, the stands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'll be curious. Um, the game will be, when you guys are listening to this, hopefully the game will be that night because yeah. we'll have this out tomorrow from yeah, I would say Islanders winning if they don't win it's gonna they're not gonna lose at home no um I, I will be interested to see I thought again we thought the penguin or the Islanders will beat the penguins caps I think is gonna be a great series I do think that's one where I think like the Islanders win that in seven like and it's yeah. gonna be a ridiculously back and forth because they matched up well against them during the course of the season I know that there are similarities Reardon's kept a similar structure with them, but they haven't been as tight as they were under Trotz the year before. Yeah. Um, I think that 
it'll be it'll be way tougher than this series. Definitely, definitely harder than this series. Although would, this one's gotten pretty spicy too. There's been some some fights going on. Yeah, even well, though. That's, yeah. Playoff hockey always has that. Every series has that chippiness. Um, Caps can play physical, which I know the Penguins can't. So I do think that's going to be something that. Well, Islanders, you also have the Wilson factor. Yeah, the Wilson, Islanders I, hate. I was going to say Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson is probably so going to be the most important player in that series, just because he can play the physical game um, that the Islanders play. So I do think he'll contribute offensively. The question will be whether he continues to run whenever Matt Martin goes after. <laughs> And we'll see um, his physicality is something that I think will, will match up well with the Islanders. I do think Trotz has them believing in, like, we're this underdog, it's us versus them. And then the addition of, hey, the Caps fucked me, I'm out of, I'm out, I'm out of capital because of them. And he can get the boys rallying around that. Well, I you can see that that was a thing that went on a couple times that they played the Capitals yeah. this year. Um, and it was funny because there was a whole thing... The first time that they played the Capitals in Washington this year, they made a big deal of giving Trotz his ring yes for it and he went into the Capitals locker room before the game and both teams seemed to love that even though by rights they should all hate each other you know what I mean yeah and and do largely yeah so I mean I would the Caps it's only it's still 2-0 game 3 tonight Um, I would be surprised if if the Hurricanes came back and won that series it's looking like Caps Caps Islanders I would say right now I would say Islanders in 7 but that I think that's going to be a much tougher series for the. Islanders. Oh yeah, I, I I think it'll be I think it'll be a hell of a series. It may be the best of the second round series, especially with, Depends, with well from storyline right. standpoint. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because if Tampa gets swept, what well, even though if they get beat, they're down three nothing as well. Yeah. If Tampa gets knocked out, we lose the interest level of them facing Toronto or Boston. So that series automatically is not going to be necessarily as electric. Yeah. Just going in on paper, right. you know what I mean? And out West, I mean, I don't know. Have you been watching more of the West? I haven't had I've time seen, to watch I've much watched of the West bits, so far. And, bits and pieces of, of the West. I watched Vegas game last night. Vegas won over San Jose. I think San, San Jose is done, I think. Yeah, they're think down Vegas, on the mat right now. Yeah, Vegas is going to beat them. Calgary has looked pretty good. I think that's I haven't split. I haven't seen anything about that series at all. I've I've watched a little and kept track of a little I love Calgary's of, team. Of I Winnipeg versus St. Louis. I love watching the Flames. I, I do find them interesting. I mean, I, I obviously love Tra- Travis Hamanick, um, and some of the players are really talented. Matthew I, I Kachuk, find them to be an interesting team, but I don't necessarily watch a ton of them because yeah. it's Calgary. Matthew Kachuk's like my favorite player. Like, I just love everything that he can play for your team, right? Any, any day, play for my team. He just... Scrappy. He ha- he never has his mouth guard in. He's always chewing on it as he plays. He's gonna get. He's gonna lose like ten teeth this playoffs. But it's funny that they've even in having such an excellence. They're the top, top season in the West, right? Um, it's funny that they've been relatively non-descript. I mean, again, it's the Calgary factor, but there's a ton of talent on that team. That the only downside of that team is goal- goaltending. Is be goaltending, and I do think uh, they're so good that they might overcome it. But their I skaters, there's gonna- a lot of talent. Tons of talent. They have great. Great uh, defensive pairing. They have great forwards. So uh, I don't think they make the Western Conference Final. I think they're going to run into um, the Blues, maybe. I think the Blues are on fire. They lost last night to Winnipeg. Oh, so they took a shot yesterday. Uh, but I do think the Blues kind of have that same Islanders-type feel where they kind of got hot late. And, well, they the Islanders kind of had that sputtering in three weeks before this season Well, it's funny. Ended. Looking back now, it's and I had been wondering about it or maybe just hoping it. You kind of wonder whether they were keeping some things in reserve because they've shown some things in this series that they weren't showing in the last few weeks. There's yeah. been some tweaks to their power play, um, which had been got had gotten completely stagnant, and it's unfortunately still kind of. But they've right. at certain times 
displayed some new set plays that right. they weren't showing, which obviously they were kind of keep that under wraps. There have been some of the ways that they've deployed their forwards and defensive pairings. Big thing, you know, you knew it was going to be important who they got up against the Crosby line and Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick. Have been good. Pellick drove me nuts in the first half of this season. And then I noticed maybe a little bit, somewhere in between that, like, the 50% of the way through Mark to, like, 75% of the way, I was like, oh, I haven't complained about Adam Pellick in a while. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, that's usually the first step is when you stop noticing a defenseman is that's when you funny. know that they've been doing fairly well. That's and his funny. is largely a defensive right. game. He's not... But Pulak is the offensive... Right. And he, but he can kind of play it both ways, right? Yeah. The two of them have done a masterful job of stymieing the Crosby line. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see with them with more physical forwards who can get into the crease because the Penguins really don't have that many guys that like to get in front of the net. The Capitals do. Uh, and if they play Boston, Boston does. Boston's the team that I, I said before we got started with any of this, they're the team that scares That's, me the most. They do. They're the, as physical as the Islanders, and they're more, more physical and more skilled. skilled. The only thing is Tuka Rask, can he be consistent? That's that crazy to think that if you're looking at lining up the matchup with Islanders and Bruins, that right now they may have the edge and goal. Yeah. That is wild to me. Yeah. It's, we'll see. I, I think, and even that's a maybe. Yeah. I, well, I, it, Toronto could beat Boston this series. I, I was very surprised at how... Uh, They've only played the split so far? It's, it's one, yeah, one, one. it's 1-1. Um, game three is tonight. Uh, both I think both games were 4-1. Okay. So it's it's been a coin flip for so far. Um, and I think it, now the series is going back to Toronto. So Boston winning that series is not a foregone conclusion. I, no. I think it is, but... Well, that's what it seemed like going on, but it was a, it was a big one, Toronto stealing game one. Yeah, right? so. so we'll see. I, I think the Islanders have a good shot. Um, that I don't think. Well, I noticed that the, the the Stanley Cup odds changed dramatically. Did you see that today? No. They moved it up. The Islanders had the third best odds. Wow. Second or third best odds now. At, whereas the start of the the start of the tournament, they were like thirty about, to one or something like that. Yeah, I, that might be because they're like ninety percent clinched and the other teams aren't. I would I would like that's to see part it. of it. But they were they were ahead of Columbus. Like they were mm, okay. I, like the Capitals were ahead of them. And then maybe one other team. The Islanders were the second or third highest yeah, I, odds. I think the Islanders have, uh, a but they were up. Shot. They were up to eight to one odds. Yeah, and well, the highest, like the best odds, was I think five to one with the Caps or something like that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they're in a great spot, obviously. And then, uh, you know, Caps could be a, a great series, and we'll see if that happens. All right. Anything else before we move on to some other hockey talk that's not playoffs? Yeah, we'll, we'll do. Since we did a lot of Islanders, let's talk some of the disappointing. <laughs> Rangers, the best thing that happened this season was getting the second overall pick. Well, you see, these are generally kind of good things this, yes. um, to talk about. As good as they can be when you're not in the tournament. Well, it's never happened. The Rangers have never happened. This has never happened for the Rangers. Last time it's happened in top three was 1966. Oh, I didn't realize it was that one. Sure. They drafted my dad's favorite player, Brad Park. Okay. Back then, you could only draft from your affiliate team, so you couldn't pick anybody. You had to draft from your... It was area... Yeah. Right? That's why the Canadian teams were so dominant, yeah, because they, they got it was the like affiliate players. team. Yeah, so... They drafted Brad Park, uh, so this is the first time I think ever that the uh, the Rangers have had a top three pick, and it was the the draft as it is now. Let's just say on the front end here before we get into this a little further, we're gonna keep it light with the Ranger talk because Shafe wrote a really good in depth thing about his dream scenario, and a lot of that's gonna be spun off from where we're gonna go here talking yeah. Hughes versus Kako. Uh, I I wrote it and then. I wrote it. And it quick. seems to have been received fairly well. Yeah, just be, well. I don't know if it's received well from me. Just. The idea has been come up from other people that are definitely more. Well, no, I, I meant more the, the the quality of the article yeah. than the content itself. Right, and it seems like 
we got ours out first. Unfortunately, we don't have quite the reach of everyone no, else. No, not even close. <laughs> including someone literally from the New York Post. Yeah. So, well, they, they have a built-in audience. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, that I won't go into detail of what... That was just a pipe dream. That The chance of that happening is... All those things happening is very slim. Us getting most likely Kako is so big. I, I would assume Hughes is going one. The, he has, it seems like a safe assumption. He's he's been the guy since like sixteen. Like this has been the guy you need to take when he's eligible in, in twenty nineteen. This is the guy. Uh, Shero is like tight with his family. Um, Taylor Hall plays with him in the off season. The social media teams tweeting out all this Hughes stuff. <laughs> if they don't take tw- t- uh, Hughes, it's it's uh, a shock at this point. Well, th- I've gotten to the point where in the NFL it seems so certain, and it makes sense for a lot of reasons that the 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 Cardinals would draft Kyler Murray, but it's gotten so loud and so certain in a way that it doesn't feel genuine anymore. I'm wondering if they really, truly are trying to smoke out to see if anyone will give them a King's Ransom. Will John Gruden get excited and give them their three first-round picks to come get Kyler Murray? I don't see it. Because it's been also pretty widely reported that Gruden is highly covetous of Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, Um, So I I do wonder if you could see a similar thing with the Devils where... This is a slight smokescreen, but it does seem like they do things a little differently uh, in the NHL versus the NFL. Yeah. I would assume that that level of interest would be probably fairly genuine. Uh, yeah, I, and especially with this draft, it's it's Hughes and Kako, and then there's a big drop-off. So I don't think they need... In the NHL, you need those guys. Yeah. You can't have that drop. Hey, you're going to give us your first-round pick, your fourth-round pick, your third-round pick, your fir- next year's first. Well, it has to be the Lindros trade to be justified. I just don't think... There, there, there is like a 2% chance they trade that pick. I think it's Hughes. If they don't take Hughes, it's Kako. If they don't, I, I doubt it's a trade opportunity. I have to say, in hockey, if you have the opportunity to get that sort of top two you center, to if it. you can get a, a Hishier and and Hughes together, that's your Crosby Malkin. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you have. They to play do very it. similar style games. They're both kind of undersized skaters, good hands. Uh, but you, yeah, you, you if have you look to at take, the best teams, you have to have one two. You have to. You know, the, the Capitals have done it in the recent years. The Penguins have done it. Like you have to have that that elite level of double centers there. Uh, and I do think if the Rangers had the first overall pick, they would take Kako. I do think that. Really? I that's, do. That's interesting to me because, again, to be able to pair Hughes with Zibanejad seems like... I know they have center talent, but they no one so is... No, none of those guys... Are proven. 100%. And, and none of them have the pedigree of Hughes either. Like no. Where it's like... This is the guy. He's like the can't but miss. Like those is, are guys who I think would succeed better on the wing. If you could, if Gordy Clark could pick, like just draw up a perfect prospect, I think he draws Capo Caco. Okay. Just big body, smart playmaker, plays in a men's league and dominate. Like it's just a Gordy Clark guy. Um, the only there there is some skepticism on do the Rangers go off the board here? Like because <laughs> they've it, done that before. It's, they've done it so many times. Given most of them have panned out, or they weren't. The, that big of a reach. Leah Sanderson was like pegged at the twelfth and we picked took him seventh, really not that big of a reach. No. Heedle was And once big... you get past the like the quote unquote blue chip yeah. at the top, you, like you can kinda have you can play around a couple of spots. Especially I think even more in hockey. Well, I don't know, like football is I guess kinda similar. Like baseball you see wild ranges yeah. and valuation and right. fit what each organization looks for and basketball there's always, you know, there's the one guy or right. there's the two guys or three guys who are like, No, no, these are the guys who like are gonna be stars and everyone else is just a role player. Yeah. Um with hockey, it doesn't even, when you get past the McDavid Eichel conundrum or the Hughes Kako, like you can go off the board slightly if it's a great organizational fit or yeah, the guy see. has the type of tools or traits that you value highly on your team. I can see the Blackhawks going off the board a little bit at three. I don't see it happening at two. 
The only instance I do see it is if the Devils do take a surprise and do take Kako at one, and the Rangers are like, we we thought we didn't think Hughes would get there. We we, we were looking at other guys. I don't think that's going to happen, but there's such a, like a scared mentality with Ranger fans on how previous drafts have gone that like I think a part of me would be scared as that second name was going up and like there's a chance this isn't Jack Hughes, but I, I don't think they're going to do it. I really don't think they're going to. I view. In hockey, centers the way I do starting pitchers. You have to give a guy an opportunity to fail at the position and then push him out to the wing. Yeah. Whereas in the same way, like, you don't reach for a reliever. Right. You see if you can take a guy who's not going to cut it for you as a starter and make him an elite reliever. Same thing. You take the elite center and if 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 the structure of your team, if his skills or whatever force you to push him out under the wing, unless you get it, like, when Hughes isn't on the board... You can take Kako, the elite winger right. option, rather than reaching for a second tier center. Yeah. But when you have the option between the elite winger and the elite center, you take the elite center yeah. nine times out of ten. It's a ninety percent chance they are taking Hughes. We're taking Kako. I think that's what's going to be. I think again, if it was flipped, Rangers would take Kako over Hughes. But I, I think we're ecstatic with that and with Kratsoff and Chesyorkin just signing a deal like ten minutes ago. Man, I had a perfect. You got to let me do the segue, man. Okay. I was. The Russian invasion. I wanted to talk okay. about it after okay. we go. Well, I beat you to it, Alex. <laughs> um, that literally just happened like 10 minutes ago. And with them coming over, that team next year, we, not, we might not be great uh, points-wise. They're going to be a lot of fucking fun to watch. Well, do you think Do you think that they both make it to the NHL level right Kratz, now? Or are they going to start in the AHL? Kratsov, I think, is for sure opening night NHL. I mean, if you, like, again, I'm, I don't know prospects, stuff like that, and, and Ranger structure, I'm going to try and get up on it more yeah. in the coming weeks, um, because that sort of, like, valuation of stuff yeah. is tough for me in hockey. Like, I know my team really well, and I know the stars around the league, but uh, from just a structure standpoint, I don't see the fit for Shestyorkin. He's not, I think he'll be a... Just physically being on the roster doesn't seem possible right off the bat, uh, it, unless they make moves. Yeah, they would have to trade uh, Gorgiev... Um... To, to probably get him up. There was an interview. I don't remember who, who did it. Uh, I think it was overseas. It was in, I think it translated English. But he said, basically, um, I'm okay with being in the AHL. So like to get start a, Yeah, to, get, to you know, assimilate myself. And it does seem like that's the case with a lot of these overseas, or actually, really, no matter where they come from, the top goalie prospects, most teams seem to want to break them in with, like, if not a full season, most of a season at the AHL before they give them an opportunity. Yeah. Even more so than... Than some of their skaters. I'm hoping that they that he does go to the AHL and just gets you know familiar with North American hockey because it is a different size rink and a different size game. Yeah. And then Gorgiev can kind of we can kind of see what we have more of him because he played really really well down the stretch and it'd be a shame to get rid of him and him just like turn into a really good goalie and we had him. Well, I do. I mean, they got a first round pick when they traded Cam Talbot. No, right? they got a. St- <sighs> Don't get me started on that. Um, they. I didn't. I didn't. Mean, were, is that, is that no, a nerve was, that I'm touching? I, I, didn't like, no, I, was, I wasn't trying to set you up. It was like a Cam Talbot was like, we're gonna get a first. We're gonna get a first. We're gonna get a first. And then I think Gordon kind of overplayed his hand, and he got a second and a third. I think back. From, okay, but, but, was, but they still got some decent they, value. They did, him. but everybody, it was like no brainer. We're getting a first round pick for him. Okay, and then it just like. He overplayed his hand a little too long, and it just was exciting. You'll know when I'm tweaking you on purpose. Yeah. I was not no, doing that on purpose. I know, but it was just, I remember that happening on Twitter, and people were like, we're getting a first, we're getting a first. And it was like, I think it ended up being a second. Well, the point is, it's not like they're going to get pennies on no. the dollar. They may not get full value for him, but I, if, they, if they're if they motivated to make the move to get Chester Jorkin on the roster, there will be a market for him. I would say point. you'll get a 
you might get a second round pick, probably a third for Gorbachev right a, now. A conditional type of situation yeah, too, it, where well, yeah, if you start exactly. X amount of games, yeah. you know it becomes a first or something like that. Yeah, it, I or it'll if, be it's like, if it's like if it's like lottery protected or something like. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm excited about both those guys coming over. There was a good chance both of them came over, but you never know with Russians mm-hmm. and both of them signing. Oh, don't I know? Yeah, Islanders with Russians trying to get over. Um, but yeah, that's that's a huge get just to have them. Apparently, that's according to the athletic about 15 20 minutes ago. Okay, well, I mean, they they generally don't run with shit that's not yeah. legit. So, uh, anything else on the Rangers before we move on? No, 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 no. Okay, so let us do we, we said that we would like to give some props, even though neither of us have paid close enough attention to them until most recently. Um, the Nets are in the playoffs, they and are, they won. Shocking win, game one, yeah. Um, the NBA playoffs usually don't really have upsets too. It's it's not a league that has a lot of parity. Not anymore. I think even going back ten years ago, hockey and basketball had some upsets. It yeah. wasn't so concentrated to the point where you're getting that like, okay, no, no, we know these two teams are playing in the finals at the end of the year, yeah. or we know two of these three teams are playing. You know, like where like last year where you had like Warriors and and Rockets. Um, in hockey, you can still get some of that. See Tampa versus hockey is still crapshoot. There's still a lot still of of those things. You know, what was it? President's Trophy hasn't won in since like ninety. I think it might have been ninety four. The Rangers. No, it didn't wait. Did the Caps not have it last year? I thought they finally broke. Did they have? Because they they, they, they had. had I know they won the President's co- tro- uh, Trophy a couple of years ago. I couldn't remember if they won it last year. I don't think they had the President's Trophy last or year. Or did Vegas get it last I year? I don't. I don't remember. Not important. Uh, but the point is, even going back, was it five or six years ago when when the Devils and the Kings played? That was a six versus an eight seed, wasn't it in the final? Yeah. Um, but just very much not the case in basketball anymore. Um, and I mean, I don't, you know, it's only been one game, right? Oh, maybe they're playing tonight, right? So yes. By the time you're hearing this, they'll either be up 2-0 or the Sears will be knotted up. Right. Um, but that's a big deal, going and winning on the road in, in basketball with, with a, a lower seed beating a higher seed. Like, yeah. The, and the thing with the Nets is that they kind of remind me of the Pacers, where it's like kind of homegrown. No one really talks about them. They didn't get you know big stars coming in. They got the Resurrection Project and D'Angelo Russell, which kind of reminds me of Victor Oladipo coming in. It was kind of a cast-off. Oh, you're talking about like right now, Pacers. Yeah. I was thinking from that, Even, I was thinking but, of that run against like the Heat, like... But just that, that was like largely that's kind of like the Pacers model is we're gonna get our homegrown guys. Kind but of, it's it's the small market model. Yeah, which even though the the Nets are in New York, they have had to operate like a small market yeah. team because they haven't had a first round pick since the Nixon administration. Yeah, but they, they remind me of the Pacers a little bit, kind of scrappy. I think they're co- well coached. Um, it does seem like that. That's everything I've heard, and I'm Atkinson not is, an expert on basketball yeah, coaching, but yeah. everyone seems to love Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, so. and uh, he actually was a, a Knicks assistant. I don't know if you knew that. There's been a lot of Knicks assistants and Knicks front office guys who've gone on to have success not uh, with the Knicks. But his like he he seems like a great coach. I think he's gonna be a name in a couple of years when he has a couple runs in him. People are gonna be like, wow, like he's gonna be a high profile coach. Um, he's uh, he's starting to get it already. But yeah, I guess, he's, you know, he's already being discussed in the way that like Brad Stevens was a couple I, years ago. I like when coaches play and coach overseas because they see the game in a different way. Or he, if they go like college NBA yeah. or like overseas. Although it didn't really work that well for David Blatt. <laughs> yeah, I but I do like when they have that different view because over overseas you have a different type of game. It's more you get offense a lot of, driven. You get a lot of he, like group think in the NBA from that. And, and that sort of things, and you've seen some of the stuff in, in the NFL too, right? Where everyone's it's all very incestuous with this coach goes from this staff to become yeah. a head coach, or whatever. And now everyone's chasing it goes in cycles, right? But now everyone's chasing Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Rule. These guys coming from college who 
maybe they'll look at the game a little differently than... Or the guys who are Air Raid Disciples, even like a Todd Munkin type or Freddie Kitchens, guys who weren't head coaches in in college but were position and coordinators. Well, actually, Munkin was a, a low-level head coach. Um, and then became bringing those college you know principles to right. the NFL. And the same thing with NBA. You're talking about Ben Atkinson going from overseas to coming back here and taking yeah. over. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that rest of that series goes because I think... Sixers kind of have this implosion possibility going on with with the cell phone on this side of them. Oh, jeez! And I, I think that they're the they have a ton of talent, but I think that they're just like it's kind of like the Celtics where they just have like this. It, it, you're just waiting for it to it kind of implode on itself. And I think the the Nets have this like scrappy like we're all buy. It's kind of like the Islanders. We have this I was going to say that we have this buy in. We're all in. Where it's everybody against us. And I think the thing is that doesn't usually work as well in the NBA. No. Like, you have to be able to back it up with the talent. Not that the Islanders don't have, but they put an undue amount of strain on the few stars that they yeah. do have. Who would have guessed that the second-round playoffs would be Barclay Center? I know. Islanders. <laughs> After all of this, they're going to be competing for, for those those dates. They're going to have to... It's going to end up... The whole run is going to be in in um, the Coliseum. Because are they going to be able to manage both those series at the same time? I was just saying, if you thought the ice was bad, the Barclays before... Imagine it in the spring. Going to give a new definition of puck soup. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be... Uh, I don't think they can go back to the bar, or the uh, the Coliseum. Of course they can. Well, the whole thing is they sign on for the first series, not the second two, because it's not big enough to hold national games. That's what they're saying, but it's more because the same group owns both arenas and they want the money in Barclays. But yeah. I don't think they were counting on the Nets... Having, no, we're getting ahead of yeah, ourselves. It's, it's one of but... but I'm just putting up the potential if the Nets win the series and the Islanders win the series, can they manage both teams playing? I don't know. I think the in... NHL would be I think the NHL would be uh, would be more apt to get them into the Barclays. I'm just wondering if it's feasible to have two series running at the same time. Oh, yeah, it is. Two separate sports. Yeah, the, the Knicks and Rangers have done that. It's just tons of teams have done it. It's been a long time. It, yeah, but it's it, they can definitely do it. There is always like... Um, you know, montages of, you know, Rangers, the ice, they're you know, taking the ice off and putting the court on, like, it was quick. Well, what I'm saying, though, is, like you said, the, the quality of the ice, is that enough of a concern? I for, don't Because if the NHL steps in, it'll happen. And they have the Islanders' ownership and team backing. The, they want to be playing in the Coliseum. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, if I'm the Islanders, I'm trying to get in the Even Coliseum, though, going but... back, like, the, the series that they beat the Panthers, the Barclays was rocking in that. Yeah, but it's a different it's a different beast. Of course it is. I'm just saying, it's not like it would be the end of the world, but they would dramatically The Barclays is an, is an NHL, it's not an NHL-specific arena, it's an NHL arena just due to the size of it. Um, it is much easier to get a crazy atmosphere in a small barn with 11,000, 12,000 seats with a low ceiling. You can get a crazy atmosphere in that. It's much harder in a bigger uh, venue. Uh, I do think the Barclays would be rocking, but I just it's not even close to the same thing. Sure. Um, getting back to the Nets because we went a little too far off. Yeah, there. just the... Uh, I do feel bad because the Nets talk. have gotten short shrift so far. That's true. Um, yeah. Did I, you get to watch most of the game? Because I watched part of it. I was doing other things while I was on. Uh, they were up like 15 or 20 early in the game, and I was like, oh, wow. And I kind of came back, and it, the lead kind of dwindled, but I, I don't know what to think of the Sixers team. I, I had really intended to watch the whole game, and then I get a call from the cell phone store near us that my my brother's phone completely died and I need to go help him buy oh. a new phone. So it's like, well, there goes that plan to tr- finally give the Nets their due. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's still early to give them this series, but I don't... They stole one... They stole game one on the road. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. big. Um, and they do seem like they just have a scrappy team that's, you know, homegrown guys, most of them. 
kind of no names. A lot of them were no names coming out of college. Literally, I like the jerks. Never had heard of him before, like three weeks ago. Yeah. Well, um, Admittedly, I'm not the world's biggest basketball fan, but typically, a playoff caliber team, a starting like player on their, I usually have heard of the guy before. Yeah, the, had lot, not heard the name before a few weeks ago. A lot of them had been, you know, had a good season this last year. Uh, D'Angelo Russell obviously has has progressed into a really really good NBA player. Yeah, well, he went from looking like a huge bust to now being a great redemption story. Right. And the, the and it's La- not like he didn't have the underlying talent there. No, the reason he was drafted that high. The Lakers literally just gave him away for like t- they gave him the bad like Timothy Mozgov, and we'll give you D'Angelo Russell to take Mozgov off our hands. But they were insane. selling low on him. Yeah, hunt, no, yeah, yeah. They gave him as a insight to take a bad contract. To take a bad contract will give you D'Angelo Russell, which is crazy. How what he's turned into, um, but we'll see. I think, I still think the Sixers win the series, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, it would be hard to throw everything like without a major injury. It'd be hard to throw it all away after one loss. Yeah, um, and this could all end up blowing it up it in our face. Looks the, like a Sixers to win by by thirty tonight. Yeah, you know what I mean? that's, well, that's the NBA. Is one night you can win by twenty, and the next night you can lose by thirty. It's funny. Both the NBA and NFL have trended that way in a certain extent, where there's not a lot of close games. Uh, even in the playoffs, tends to be. It's just the nature of the flow of those sports that it tends to be blowouts. Like, you either win by 10 or lose by 10. Yeah. You, like, win by 30 lose by 30 in the yeah. NBA now. Um, but I, I, I do find them to be an interesting team. I remember, like, a guy like Chris LeVert, like, well, I have a funny story about that, actually, from a couple of, uh, a couple of, over the past few years. So, I, until he got hurt this year, mm-hmm. um, and around the, like, I remember because they were playing the Knicks, I was listening, I was listening to a game on the radio, because I was in the car. Right. Um, and they kept saying... Chris Levert, whatever, and I was like, oh, like, I remember that guy, whatever, but I've always seen it as, like, C. Levert in, like, box scores and stuff like that, so, like, I've been aware of the guy, like, I knew he had, yeah. like, some, it seems like he's really flourished this year, even sandwiched around him missing some time with the injury, Yeah. Um. but it seems like he's turned into, like, a legit player where yeah. he hadn't really been, like, he was kind of like a, like, he wasn't like he was a top six guy on their team, Right. Um. at least not on a good team. I didn't know his name was... Karis. Karis? I thought it was Chris. Yeah. And I was really confused when I saw... I heard someone, like... It, I was like, why are they putting such weird emphasis on the name Chris? And I finally, like, looked him up. I was like, oh my god. His name's Karis. His, I, like, for <laughs> three years I've gotten this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, immediately, that's not a great story, but I found it mildly entertaining. Yeah, I follow college basketball more than I follow NBA, so I remember him playing. And I'm not the biggest college so, uh, basketball Yeah, basketball. I follow... I, I don't follow, you know, a ton of college basketball, but I do remember him at, you know, at Michigan. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I... I think they can do it. I still think the Sixers, NBA, usually the talent is better than, you know, scrappiness, so. But we've already found out, like, the worst fears about Ben Simmons are, have, were realized in game one. We'll see if that's the case, but if he's not going to score, that's going to hold well, him he's back. he's never going to be able to shoot. <laughs> but he's got to be able to. never going to happen. Even if it means he's got to score all of his points in the paint, well, he, he's he, got to he, score. He will. He'll, he'll get his points. What, he, he had nine points? Uh, I don't know. Where, I, don't I think know he had nine points. points. Yeah, but I, he, he can score. It's usually... Getting to the, you know, he's very tall, really athletic, and he can get to the paint. So I think, you know, he will do that more in the series. But you give him his jump shot, he's missing it. So well, that's what I'm saying. If they're going to sag off and they're going to they force that's him, that's how they defend him. You just, you just sag off him and let him kind of do his own. thing. Well, then he's going to make up for and have 20 assists they or something, tr- which like he a, didn't. They treat him like a center, like they just back off and let him <laughs> do his own thing at the top of the key. Um, yeah, I, it'll, it'll be. I do think again the Sixers did, win. Did Embiid play the whole game? So I know there was question, question whether he was going to be able to, uh, and I know they not. He, I know he played. Yeah, he definitely played, and he definitely got in trouble after the game. Yeah, but uh, although I guess it wasn't him, it wasn't it was his Amir. Fun. No, it was the other guys. But um, he was definitely a part of it, and <laughs> we'll see if that he's comes. he's funny. You know who he reminds me of a little bit? Who? Um, 
is is Gronk, where like this seems like there's kind of different rules applied to him, and that like the fact that he's like this larger than life personality, kind of like is this lovable like big yeah. guy. You he's know an what I mean? Interesting dude. He's a very interesting. That's dude. what I'm saying. I, I mean, and the fact that he he does have the talent to back it up too. Yeah. You know, I mean? he is an excellent player on yeah. top of just like. Like, looking at the way that he's treated and the conversation around him, he reminds me a little bit about the way that we talked about Gronk for yeah, a long time. I guess a little bit. He's, a, he's more... There's something like about that, that huge, like, lovable, like, teddy bear who's, yeah, like... he's just like, got a He's fun and media. funny, but he looks like he could destroy you. Yeah, he's just a social media guy. He's, like, just uh, tweeting at, like, hot girls trying to get them to, to hang out with him, so... Again, the Gronk thing. <laughs> very very Gronk-like, so... Yeah, we'll see. I, I still think Sixers, but... I wouldn't be shocked if the, the Nets won this series. No, I just found it interesting, and... We are a New York show, and even though the Nets isn't our expertise, and I largely ignored basketball this year, um, this is a cool story. They, yeah. It feels like they've arrived a year early, and they, they deserve some attention for that. For sure. Um, we don't have a ton to talk about with Mets and Yankees, because I wouldn't say there's necessarily been anything big other yeah, than some more rumblings of uh, Yankees' health issues, but we did want to check in. We'll probably at least check in occasionally on them um, once a week unless there's something big going on. Or God forbid when it comes around to a Subway Series time, we'll have a lot True. of talk for that True. for sure. Um, what about the Mets would you like to talk about briefly? Um, well, they're 9-6. and six. They lost last night to Grom. Two starts in a row. He didn't look great. That's a little bit concerning. Okay. He had 26 straight, of, you know, 26 straight quality st- starts and back-to-back pretty poor outings that is a little bit concerning i i do think he corrects it i mean pete alonzo was a beast he, he people you know you know if you didn't sit him you never would have to because he's always going to be on the hot streak. it's uh mickey like a, mickey is <laughs> out of his mind mickey Calloway. i know i paraphrased that a little bit but that was the gist of it what he said um yeah that is going to be a whole different i'm not going to get that's going to get me worked up i'm just going to let that play out give dom a couple of starts here and there whatever pete alonzo the bat the ball comes off his bat like no one I've ever seen. People say Judge and, and Stanton. It comes off different. Like, the thing that I'll see with... Yeah, there's, like, there's those select guys, right? Like, it was a, a Griffey was, like, that sore. Like, Pujols, like, Barry Bonds. Like, like it's just different. It's just different. It, you already think Alonzo's getting into I, that sort of category? because Judge... I, unfortunately, I watched a little bit of him opening week. I did not get to watch any of the Mets this week, yeah. unfortunately. I was keeping track of what was going on, but I didn't get to sit down and watch any of their games. The Islanders have taken up all my attention the th- when the Yankees aren't on. The thing with Judge, when I noticed him hitting, was the ones I noticed was when he mishit it. He mishit it, and it would get out. And I'm like, yeah. how's that going Yeah, out? he looks like, oh man, he pop, pop popped out up to right, to right and yeah. it's, it's a 330-foot home run. Right. It's like, how? The thing with Alonzo is he hits it dead on, dead center. Every Five of his six home runs have been dead center. And that, to me, I've never seen, where he's just hitting it square and it's just missiles out of the center field. Well, that's uh, that's usually a good sign because in a lot of ways it's similar with with Judge and Stan and even Sanchez. Those guys, when they're on, they're crushing the ball to dead center, to right center, um, whether it be them hitting towering shots or yeah. like missiles. Like Stan hits missiles like I haven't seen anyone since Gary Sheffield. Like, yeah. I remember watching home runs by Gary Sheffield where it was like, the ball never went higher than like twenty feet off the ground, yeah. and it goes like three hundred and thirty feet, like right down the line and left. And it's like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like, someone is gonna die yes. on the other end of that ball. So the thing with Pete is, I, I'm pretty sure his six home runs, five have been to dead center, one was opposite field, so he's not even pulling it. And the one against, and that's usually a good thing. And that's that, a that great makes sign. It when when a guy's on a on a hot streak like that. They're typically not pulling the ball most of the time. It's going to be shots like that. And, and you can track the progression, too, usually, where it's like guys crushing it to right center, dead center, 
left center. He crushes two home runs down the left field line and then doesn't get a hit for 15 at-bats. Yeah, and the one against the Braves, that might have been the most impressive home. That ball never left the screen. It was like it never got that high up. It was just a straight missile out. 450 feet. Jeez. Straight missile. And I was just like... I heard people talking about that home run. I didn't get a chance to see it. It was unbelievable. I was like... Did that just happen? I've never seen a ball go dead center that quick. It was off the bat into the, into the water in like 2.5 seconds. Jeez. The center fielder just turned and just watched it as a missile went over his head. Uh, and I, I've seen that with Judge and Stanton, but again, I, the home runs I notice with Judge is when he mishits it, and I'm like, how the hell did that get out? This one is just like, he's hitting missiles everywhere, and you're just it's no doubt right off the bat. The most incredible home run that Judge has hit was at a game I was at, and he hit it 490 feet. Or 495 to, dead. to dead left. Yeah. And I was sitting in the upper deck in foul territory in left field. Like, almost at the top of the upper deck, actually, uh, along the third baseline, the left field line, whatever. And that ball, he hit it, and I'm like, oh my god. It was the second home run he hit of the day. He crushed both of them. And that one, like, I'm sitting way the hell up, and the ball just went whoop right in front of my... Like, it just felt like it hung right at my eye level. And I was just like, oh my god, how fucking far is that going to go? <laughs> and it went over the bleachers in left... Up to the back wall where, like, the end of the stadium is. Yeah. Uh, it, it's impressive what he's doing. Um, I think he led all Major League in major league history most extra base hits in his first 10 or 11 games. Wow. Which is really impressive. 17 RBIs. Like, he's having a really good year. I, I thought he Some guy's trying to kill our, our home run projections yeah. on the site. Yeah. Alonzo. I had 24. He's Frazier. like 6 already. <laughs> um, Jeff McNeil's been really good. He should be everyday player. Um. He's impressed me. I, I liked him. I actually, I'm pretty sure I picked him in my fantasy team last year down the stretch run. Yeah, yeah he, he's a great he's, contact He's guy. exceeded my expectations so far. And it was funny on the broadcast, I think it was last night, was like, they were talking about McNeil might have been in the Cano trade and how the fan backlash took him out of the deal. And I was like, one time they listened to the Mets fans and it was Jeff McNeil not being a part of the Cano deal. Uh, which is great because Cano has not been very good. No, unfortunately. I actually... I have him on my team. Yeah, this year. he has not been good. I, I don't. He started off well the first couple the first of games. Game, he had a whole, first yeah. at bat, he hit a home run, but he's batting like one eighty. Mm. Um, so I I think it's just probably a you know a slump. But Mickey Callaway doesn't believe in slumps or hot streaks, so <laughs> Mickey Callaway rules. This is this is who he is. That line about Alonzo was <laughs> gold. Uh, yeah, gold Jerry. Gold Jerry. Um, but the offense has been great. Starting pitching has been iffy. Bullpen has been a nightmare, but we're nine and six. I, I can't complain. It's just, we've been playing well. Yeah. Um, the Yankees, unfortunately, have they're in that classic situation where when you're, when you're trying to like put a positive spin, where it's like, oh, they just can't really put it together. But what that really means is they're not playing well because they're doing the thing where it's like, oh, they got a great start out of whoever the starter was that day, and then the bullpen blew it. And then the next day, they got good pitching, and they only score one run, and they lose 2-1. And then the next day after that, it's like, oh, they finally scored six runs, but they gave up yeah, seven. Yeah. And it's like... I, I'm I, I've been a victim of like I've done that myself before like I'm I try not to do it anymore because what it means is not that they're not a good team it's not that they can't be well, they won't be a good team but they're not playing well it's there's just no ifs ands or are you concerned about it. with the Aaron Boone slash where he came out and he said we're we're about to get around the corner we just got to turn the corner and they interviewed Aaron Judge about it and they're like what what do you think about your manager saying um, you know you you guys just have to get around the corner you're, you're almost there to get around the corner and he was he was very confused he was like what, what do you mean get around the corner I don't understand and it was just they were not on the same page in the uh, interview I don't really care about there that there was topic. a lot of people pretty like this isn't good if like they're I not even, even close in the I same page I didn't even hear about that um which is 
part of the reason why I don't think it bothers yeah. me that much. Um, no, I, I hadn't actually there heard about that. There seems to be like right a, a pretty That vocal... sort of thing happens all the time, though. When you, when you get to guys right after the game, they don't have time to confer and get on message about that sort of... And it's not like... The things that concern me more is when the manager makes like some sort of strategic... Like, like he has some sort of strategic message that comes out. Like, oh, this guy is not going to play tomorrow, or this and that. And then the other guy is like, that's fucking news to me. Yeah. You know what I mean, those are the things that concern me. This issues, is this yeah. is a dumb little blip. You yeah. know what I mean? Are you are there's and Judge isn't the type of guy to get like on like a manager's case over that sort of thing. He's a big he, time he, like, it, team first guy. He, and Boone is a big communication guy. He's not going to like cause an issue over that. It's not like he's like no, no that's a stupid thing to say. What he said was he was just oh very yeah, I didn't hear that. By, like, he was very confused. But he's like, I don't know what you mean by get around the corner. And it was it just looked like the communication was off. And after a loss. Obviously, it doesn't look great. I've yeah. seen I've seen a uh, pretty vocal, you know, portion of Yankee fans getting on Boone. So, yeah. well, everyone wants to do that. I don't get the hate from managers of anyone at this point in baseball. When it's very obvious the managers have very little power now. Yeah. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, it's kind of irrelevant. It just is. Yeah. Um, these things are organizational decisions now. Um, so, killing a manager for one of these things, I just don't get it. Um. Because they're they're going by the playbook. You yeah. know, people used to make fun of um, Girardi, you know, Binder Joe, Joey Loosely, all yeah. those things. Every manager in the league is basically like that now. Well, th- to the to a certain extent. Well, whenever Bochi's retiring after the year, once he's gone, every manager in the league is basically going to be that. Yeah. Ma- maybe Madden has a little bit of leeway to play. Maybe Boone has a little bit of leeway to play. But this is all basically managed by numbers, right. um, for better or worse. Yeah. It's uh... so I'm not. I mean, like, listen, it's bad. They're playing bad. They're playing an equally struggling Red Sox team, which is an important series yeah. coming up uh, starting tomorrow. Um, the 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 fact is, they got to get healthy. and They got to stack wins. Um, it's been disappointing that they haven't been able to beat bad teams. That's, I mean, that's certainly Houston biggest... wasn't a bad team, but right. the rest of them they're they're playing the bad White teams Sox, and they've yeah. lost um, all but one of the series they've played. The one that the one they swept, so that's a positive. But um, they're six and nine. They got to do better. They've have had seasons where they've started like this and turned it on and won ninety five games. So yeah. I'm not worried yet. I, uh, I, I would like to see them stem the bleeding with the injuries. They finally got a positive injury news with CC coming back and being great on Saturday. Yeah. Um. So that's a plus. Getting those guys back healthy and stable. I mean, Severino, the health thing is very concerning now. Uh, Batanza just came back. That's not particularly good news for him either. And having him help stabilize the bullpen would be huge. Because everyone's taking a turn and being bad in the bullpen so far yeah. early in the season, but that, seems that, that sort of thing isn't uncommon actually for the Yankees. Every year they seem to have at least one or two guys who blows it big, and then by the end of the year they sort out their shit and they're they're great as expected. Um, and I, I still think that this bullpen can and will be great, but um, it's it's struggled so far. Um, but yeah, actually, there's something about that I saw the other day that on average the at this stage in the season league wide. Pitcher ERA is up a half a run from where it was last year. Mm, so yeah. everyone is struggling. Just, both starters. It seems like every relievers. bullpen is like just imploding. Yeah. Every every like the Mets implode, and then whenever the relievers come in, the, the runs just go up. Everybody scores runs. It's unbelievable. But I, I don't. Th- I wouldn't be worried. The Yankees. I don't. The only thing that would concern me about the Yankees is you need with these injuries, you do need to beat the teams that are bad. Yeah. Um, just to kind of hold your head, you know, above water, mm-hmm. and that's not happening. But if you know players start coming back soon, I don't think it's going to be an issue. But. No, it's just hold the fort. Don't have any additional injuries. Yep. Get back the guys. There's been some joking at the Yankees' expense the other day 
the the bottom four hitters in the lineup was uh and I don't remember the order but it was it was Tyler Wade, Clint Frazier, Mike Talkman and Kyle Higashioka and I don't like, even know who two of those guys are. Which two? <laughs> the, last, the last two. Uh, Higashioka has been in the system uh, as a backup catcher for a few years. He's when like Sanchez was missing a lot of time last year. He was backing up Romine. Okay. Um, uh, Mike Talkman they traded for right before the season started from Colorado. It was one of those they needed to get him off the forty man roster situations. Uh, okay. Um, so the Yankees took him. Yeah, away. I saw and, that. And, and with 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 Hicks being hurt, they broke. It was a surprise that they broke camp with him. But I think it was again if they sent him down. They would have to wave him or whatever, so they kept him on the roster. He'll be on the roster until Hicks is back, and then he'll be gone because Frazier's earned his playing time. Yeah, he's been 100%. largely really good. Uh, I saw that he had a bad day in the field, and they moved him to DH. But uh, his hitting—that sort of thing's going to happen. His hitting has been unreal, and I do think he'll be a good fielder. But you have to remember, he played almost zero baseball last year. Right, he missed an entire year, was wiped, so he's still kind of kicking off the rust. And he, you know, he he actually had got dinged, I think, a little bit at one point um, right. during spring training. So. It's just getting the innings back under you know him again because you know he had such an aggressively bad concussion and post concussive like symptoms like it's just getting back to being healthy and comfortable standing in the box. Yeah. Uh, although like he didn't he, get, he didn't get hit by a pitch he hit, he hit the wall that's how he got his concussion but still he seems like he's he's got his confidence back at least hitting um, and he, his confidence was there in the field the, the two missed plays was him aggressively diving on balls in front of him right. and he could have made the play on both of them they were both tough plays and he just didn't make either one of them and. Right. You know, as he gets some more experience back under his belt, you know, maybe he won't take that aggressive dive every time. <laughs> like, pick your spots, That buddy. was a Kyle Schwarber dive right there. Or just Well, a little Mets, more graceful than Schwarber, Mets, but... Against the Mets in, I think it was, it was 2015, where he dove and it just, like, the ball just, like, slowly rolled, rolled to the Ivy. No, both of them, he, like, they hit off his glove and, like, skirted away. like yeah. right, So they didn't go too far away. But that like, Schwarber dive was just, like, I remember watching it, just crying, laughing of him, just diving. And the ball just, like, the, the camera view of the ball just slowly rolling to the Ivy. It's funny, we were talking, now that you mentioned Schwarber last night, we were talking celebrity lookalikes, and that's probably been the best uh, famous comp to me. For you? Yeah. Wow. I remember one of one of the guys in the in the baseball league brought it up for the first time. You do a yeah, couple of years I, ago. I think I do. You know what it was? Is specifically when I kept like just the chin beard because yeah. that's what he keeps. You do. So we look point, actually a decent metal. All four people listening to this, if you don't know what Al looks like, he <laughs> looks like Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I look a lot, and we're similar because we're both like pretty stocky build, so like our face is kind of like similar shape too. Yeah. Like it's. We'll reenact you diving at loop, uh, fly balls in the outfield. Uh, I don't know if I can do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, but well, I I'm not too worried about the ankles. We'll we'll. You guys will figure it out. Uh, anything else, Mets Yankees? Before we wrap this up, uh, no. All right. Well, we don't have any Jets Giants stuff for you this episode. Next episode and the episode after, we definitely will, as that final week before the draft comes up, we're yep. gonna have a lot of stuff to do with that. Um, so stay tuned for that. If you're Jets and Giants fans, we're pretty excited for the draft talk coming up. Mm-hmm. We have, like I mentioned earlier, there's a Jets and Giants mock draft that I wrote. That's up on our site. On the, on the spin tune, uh, I wrote an I, what I thought was an interesting. I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet. The the Jets Giants trade scenario yeah, that I, I did. put up. I like that you did the. Uh, I've always seen the valuation of draft picks, so I noticed you meant you put that in there, and I, I always like looking at that stuff. Yeah, I thought that was a cool way to see like what what could a potential trade between them look like realistically, not just a oh they should no like what would the values be like? How did how would the teams view it? Not that it's necessarily going to be one hundred percent accurate, right? But I I thought it was interesting just doing some of the background on it, trying to find out about that stuff before yeah. I wrote it. Um, we'll have a write up. This week or next week, whenever the Islanders Penguin series is done, um, it'll be done, done tomorrow. Don't worry about it. I, I'm tomorrow. not saying that. It's done tomorrow. You can say that. I'm not saying. It. Is there anything you have planned written for this week? 
Uh, no, just because all my teams stink. Uh, <laughs> Mets, the Mets are the only team I have left at doing anything. Um, so maybe if the NBA, once the NBA draft comes around, something Knicks related, uh, and then I might write something Mets related as we see more of a sample size. And next week with the draft being in earnest, then I'm going to do a full first round mock draft. I'm going to have trades in there. It's going to be in depth. It's going to be wild. I already started mapping out the first 10 picks. I've already got the the, the players in there, I haven't had done the write-ups. There's, there's already a couple, there's several trades in the top ten. Wow. Well, uh, there was two or three trades in the top ten. Wow. Al just, you know, a puppeteer just having all the strings going. That's right. Trades. I am uh, doing my best uh, Peter Baelish there impression right now. <laughs> um, so that's all for this week's episode of the Spintune Sports Show. You can reach us on Twitter at Spintune Sports. You can find me and Schaefer uh, as well at Alessandro B. 1187 and at Schaefspur. Uh, see you next week. Later.